to the unknown, okay. to the unknown. To be honest, to just go somewhere where you don't know how driving are, where you don't know how people are, how culture is, you know, you don't know anything about, so you have to kind of discover all these things. Off-gassing, a scuba podcast with host Nick Hogel. In this week's episode, I interview Elsa, a true adventurer. I first met Elsa while on a fun diving trip in Thailand. I was instantly drawn to her story from hating water through her journey to becoming an instructor, the ups and downs of working in the scuba industry, her time through the pandemic, and her joy of the unknown. Elsa truly is a free spirit, and this is her story. I hope you enjoy. Elsa, how are you doing today? Elsa is doing great always. How are you? <laughs> I am good. I am good. I uh, am enjoying my time in Ahmed here, so it's always wonderful. Second time, as you know, um, and I just can't stay away. <laughs> Definitely not the last time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we met a few months ago, and I was uh, really, I really enjoyed, you know, kind of your, your diving history. So I wanted to bring you on to the podcast. Um, so I guess the first question would be, tell me about what got you into scuba, your first breath underwater. Was it life changing? Was it eh, like, just talk a little bit about the, the beginnings of scuba diving. The beginning is actually a really funny story because um, I've never liked water. I didn't quite know how to swim. I was never the water girl, right? And I had a short holiday to Malta with my friend, and I don't know why, but it was my idea to try scuba diving. Okay. And uh, looking back now, I was the, one of the worst customers, you know, <laughs> the type that instructor is holding both of your hands, you're standing in the water, shallow <laughs> enough, you put your face in, and you go absolutely crazy. Like, no way, no way, this is it, I'm not doing it, I'm, I'm out of it, you know? And um, it's shallow waters, and I have my boyfriend at the time there telling me that I can do it, and I just want to punch him in the face, and I want to get out of the water, and this is not for me. And um, thank God I had a really, really patient instructor, and I had absolutely no idea, was it 5, 10, 20 minutes that he was holding my hand under the water? And at some point, he kind of really pushed me down, and I saw all the fish around me, and that was it. And that was the moment when my body let go, my mind let go, and I was just doing its natural thing, breathing and being completely amazed by underwater. And since that day I came out and it was completely clear that this is what I'm going to do with my life. That is awesome. So did you stay around there to continue your scuba education? Or? No, that was not possible because we were just for a couple of days. But then I went back to my country. I moved on with my life and I had this urge inside that I have to explore this thing. And so a couple of months later, uh, we organized a trip to Mallorca. Okay, real we quick, doing... where are you from? I am from Latvia, okay, which okay. is a real country in Eastern Europe for those who do not know, right? <laughs> um, so we went to Spain, to Mallorca. Uh, one of the reasons why we chose Mallorca was also because I'm obsessed with Spanish language. I think it's the most beautiful language in the world. Okay. So it was kind of like, let's get the two burns with one stone. Um, and we did our open water course in Mallorca. And then again, I went back home and I was moving on with my life. And then the summer came and I was studying again. So I enrolled in psychology studies and the summer holiday, we have three months off. So I decided to go for an internship and become a dive master. Okay. So I went actually back to the same dive center 
Um, it maybe didn't go as well as planned, right? We're gonna probably get more into this uh, in a conversation how <laughs> diving industry is, right? But um, I did my advanced course. I already taught some other people, which probably I should not have done. You know, uh, welcome to the industry. Um, and then what happened? So when I started the dive master course, the, the dive center that I chose was run by a really good diver, but he was a commercial diver. Okay? And he was a little bit thinking that all these body standards and recreational diving, that's not serious enough. So he didn't quite care about the standards, but his perception was that, oh, I'm going to teach you how to dive. Yeah? But it was with a little bit of rough methods. Oh, they, uh, I, I know a couple of commercial divers back home, and I always tell people they're a, they're a different breed. They're a different... Um, yeah, it's it's a whole different ball game with the commercial divers. Exactly, and for their experience, I mean, like for them just to go to 18 meters and check the fish out, right? It's like easy peasy days. So, yeah. but for me, who has done like you know 10 dives in life, for me it's still a big deal. So, so there were a couple of things that I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable. One of them was actually the fact that. I was not the best swimmer, right? And in order to become a dive master, you have certain things you have to be able to do. Yes. So he was kind of asking me to learn how to swim, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he would come into the ocean and he would drown me like there's no tomorrow. Oof. Yeah. So in the sense that I was literally like super scared and uncomfortable and crying most of my days there. <laughs> <laughs> But then what happened, I, um, I met some people and, and since this moment, everything in my life just started to snowball. Like, it was out of control. It was none of my decisions. Everything just went the right <laughs> way and it's freaking amazing. I still can't believe how it all turned out. And I changed dive center and um, I do want to mention the West Coast divers in Mallorca <laughs> and especially the owner Mark because he showed me what diving is and what should be the vibe in the dive center that it's all about safety, all about fun, all about love, pure love, not just diving, just love for life. Yeah. You know? So I um, finished my dive masters there and um, I am forever grateful for this. <laughs> yeah, they were amazing. That is awesome. Well, I mean, you obviously had to have had a drive to be terrified, but wanting to push forward, you know, so that's definitely, that's awesome. That's, that's amazing because that's a lot of people probably would have quit and been like this isn't for me especially if you didn't even love water to begin with so um, i'm glad obviously you made it through um mm -hmm. so where and when did you become an instructor so after this experience so i became a dive master and again my real plan was so i get my dive master certification i go back to latvia and do my life yeah but then it just snowballed and I got an opportunity to <laughs> begin my instructor course in Thailand in January. And I think it was August when I finished my dive master course. And between August and January, like, what's the point going home, right? Yeah. It's a couple yeah. of months. So I called my mom. I said, mom, sorry, I'm not going back to studying because I have to be in Egypt. I'm going to work in Egypt, in the Middle East for a little bit. <laughs> And then I'm going to go and do my instructors in Thailand. Okay. How is the, I have not been, tell me a little bit about the diving in Egypt. It is amazing. Okay. It is the best I've seen so far. Red Sea is absolutely stunning. 
the visibility is great, the coral reefs are really healthy and the amount of different species you can see. You don't even have to swim, you're just floating there in, in one spot, you know, and you keep on seeing, you keep on seeing. It's really enjoyable experience. Okay, so how did Thailand come into the picture? Thailand came in the picture because finishing my uh, dive masters in Mallorca, so again, people I know, know other people, so they offered me to come and do the, the instructor course in January in Thailand. Okay. And I thought, yes, of course. Um, so yeah, I did a little bit of time in Egypt, three months, dive mastering. It was a great experience, made me a warrior, made me really <laughs> tough, made me realize that this industry is way more than I ever imagined. Yeah, yeah. And then I ended up in Thailand, which still to this day is the love of my life, <laughs> and did my instructor course as an internship. Okay, okay. Um, had have you or had you been to Thailand before, or was it the first time? Just it was going? absolutely the first. Oh, time. okay, okay. So how how did that like? Just when you landed, was it completely like holy cow? This is way different. Or how was that whole experience? First time in Thailand. It felt like home. <laughs> it felt so good, especially you know. Before that, I haven't been traveling way too far from Europe, right? So to be honest, like Egypt was my complete first experience outside of my oh, comfort zone. Okay. And then after the madness that living in Egypt was, landing in Thailand, it was easy. Okay. It was beautiful and the culture and how welcoming the people are and the weather is amazing and the diving is amazing and the food is delicious. Like Thailand scores everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... I absolutely love thailand and i've spoken about this before but the first time i actually ever went diving uh was in thailand and um this is the next perfect question so where in thailand did you end up i started in phuket okay um i did my instructor course in phuket and then slowly i started to move to the islands so I ended up in the one and only Co-PP. Okay, okay. Right. That's actually where I had my first dive. Oh, Co -PP. really? Yeah. So first dive in, in Bidanok. So you have to be very <laughs> spoiled, huh? It, it really, really changed my life. And, and I've talked about this so many times before. Uh, when I first went underwater, it reminded me of the movie Avatar, which I know I haven't seen the second one. But I just remember being under under there, and, and I'm like, I'm I'm in Pandora right now. That's all I kept thinking, which was super super crazy. Oddly enough, I was speaking to Japoon divers, and I was telling them because there's some people from CoPP over there, and I was like, oh, that's the first place I ever went scuba diving. My instructor was this guy named Ian, this British guy, and they're like. Ian and then someone popped out a picture and I'm like this guy and they're like oh he was here two weeks ago I was like what this is so crazy like it's just a, the, the scuba world in general is so small it's so um, small it's the smallest yeah okay well tell me about your time in Thailand so when I went to Koh Phi it was actually just a little bit before the pandemic started Ooh. right okay so honestly and in a dive center where I was working we were basically all very fresh instructors for that particular shop so we kind of got this dynamic you know when yeah. we were getting to know each other and we felt like on top of the world <laughs> we were like this is gonna be the best life ever we're all such cool people we love what we're doing you know we had such a great time together yeah. And then I think it was like two months later, the proper lockdown hit in and oh. it was like, that's it guys, no more diving for you. <laughs> You're not on the top of the world anymore. 
and it was super fun because at the beginning we were all kind of like okay this is cool you know we're all living together we have a pool so we're just chilling out in a pool we're thinking okay one two months you know and yeah it's gonna go back to normal obviously that yeah was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just remember it kept being yeah this this will all be well it started in the winter this will be all over by summertime no it just kept going and going and going so was there like was did it get to a point where there was diving again or were there were there people traveling from within thailand how how did that whole thing that must have been a pretty rough especially as a starting instructor but at the same time knowing what happened in europe i mean we were super blessed man like we had all the freedom in the world like we were safe on our little secluded island yeah so the thing is within one week everybody left everything was freaking shut down and and those who have been on kobe you know it's like 24 7 party oh yeah stops like there's so many people you can't walk the streets and all of a sudden within one week everything is closed and we were, let's say, around 200 farangs. So farangs is how they call yes. us, yeah? the foreigners <laughs> in, in Thailand. So we were at around 200 farangs left on the island and diving was not allowed. Wow. Yeah? So at the beginning it was not allowed. March it was not allowed and I think, so there was a really cool dive center called um, Adventure Club. And the manager of the dive center at that time, he started to organize a Pierre cleanup, which okay. was freaking amazing. So. We started to literally take out trash from the small pier that you have on Kopipi. Okay. And within two weeks, we took out more than 20 tons of rubbish. Wow. So let's not say that it was quite diving, diving, yeah, but we were getting back in the water and we were actually doing something that matters. Yeah. And it was wonderful to see how the community is coming together. Like we were organizing shifts like in, in three rows like in the morning afternoon and evening wow so again we would also kind of keep the distance yeah so many people at the same spot the local community supported us so much so we had local people who are actually taking the trash out of our hands from the water and then sorting it and waiting oh, wow. it and figuring out what's happening with it we had local community preparing food for us and while we are working so it That's was awesome. really really nice that is awesome and you know, I, I must say it must have been a, a blessing in disguise in the sense that, because um, obviously, yes, I've been to PP. I know it's the, the, the kind of, it's a party hub. Like people go there to party. To be able to experience living and being on that island and having it just be empty is a, a chance that not a lot of people will ever really get. So that's, because it's such a beautiful place. It's just an absolutely beautiful place. And just kind of being there where it's not super crowded and, and you know, almost a little bit of room to breathe, you know. It was incredible. It actually gives me goosebumps just remembering, <laughs> like, all of this island to ourselves and also seeing local people. I know, you know, kids in the in the narrow streets of Kopipi riding bicycles, like something that they would never, ever be able yeah. to do because there's just not so much space, you know. It was it was incredible. It was very very a blessing to be there during that time because yeah, as you say, not everybody sees yeah. that. And and you go to any beach, and there's nobody, and there's uh. no no drinking from buckets, and there's no party going on yeah. at the beach. It's silent. It's it was amazing. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. But obviously, what happens is like the more time passes by the more the leftover people are yeah. also starting to leave. So at some point it did get a little bit uh, depressing. Oh, you know, I'm sure. It's still, I mean, like we have the freedom, but 
how many days in a row you can snorkel with sharks, you know? <laughs> Not to sound very uptight now, I mean, like, in Europe, people were locked in the apartments, but... Um, of course, and also not knowing what's going to happen. So we're not having job, right? So there's no income. So we're living on our savings. And um, it was a bit uh, tough at some point, but still, again, I'm super grateful for the experience. I think it made me re-evaluate so many things and work with myself and how I'm perceiving things that it really changed me. Okay. In a good way. So when, when did things start picking back up over there? Was there like a year, a year and a half? So I left Thailand basically in August, so that first COVID year. And before that in summer, you had, yeah, exactly, some people who are already in Thailand, still kind of moving around yeah. between the islands. So, I mean, like I was working maybe two times a week. Oh, wow. As a freelancer, okay. we had a couple of dive centers going out. Yeah. Um, but then in August, I left. And honestly, when I was leaving, I was walking all through the island to get to the pier. I didn't see a single person wow. Wow. walking with my bag, so it was absolutely crazy. That is wild. I mean, it's probably just a memory that's just burned into your brain, I'm Forever. sure. Yeah, oh. especially because I'm sure if you go back there today, it would, I mean, it wouldn't be like that. You know, I don't know how much it's picked up, but I'm sure it has. I know traveling is kind of almost pretty much in full swing these days so i'm sure it's kind of back to where it was or i'm, I'm not sure do you still talk to people back there um, i actually went back to copy b oh okay and okay. so after covid i went back to copy b last year in february and i was amazed when i got on the island i, I saw all the people i was like oh, yes, baby, awesome. it, is, it is back where it's supposed to be so you left in 21 yes okay. i left in 21 in august and then I came back in 22, was okay. it yeah? Okay, okay. In, in, in February. How was it going back home? Was it almost like a little bit of a culture shock? Or did you go back home? I never made it back uh, <laughs> It was too expensive for me to try to get home. So where, where did you end up? So in August, I was actually going back to Mallorca because... So remember how I told you about this amazing German dive center yes. called West Coast Divers in Mallorca? Yeah, yes. guys, go dive with them. So I was supposed to work with them, but it was everything was still COVID, so nobody knew how it's going to happen, right? But they kind of got a green light that they can open. Okay. So I went to Mallorca, and the thing is they are located in a hotel. Okay. And then the government decided at the last moment that the hotel is allowed to open, but no water activities. Oh, okay. And this was one thing that also I will never forget seeing Mark during this time not being able to open his dive yeah. center and constantly being told like oh you're gonna open no you're not gonna open yeah. you're gonna open you're not gonna open um, so I just spent a month in, in, in Mallorca uh, visiting my friends and then I went to Gran Canaria okay and I was absolutely lucky because I was working all through the rest of the time okay yeah. okay how's the how's the diving there it's really nice, and this is the one thing that you also know as a diver, that every place has something to oh, offer. Yes, right? yes. Obviously, Gran Canaria is definitely not tropical, right? <laughs> There's definitely not too many corals or colors <laughs> under the water. But, I mean, like, the landscape is amazing, so they have all the lava formations, so it's really dramatic landscapes. They have angel sharks, which are amazing, and octopus everywhere. Oh, everywhere. that's awesome. So many octopus, and they all want to interact with you and show off. So okay. I really, really enjoyed the time there. Um, 
maybe there's a little bit, you know, limited dive sites and the conditions might be a bit rough and the temperatures are cold <laughs> and everything is shore diving. And, How was and, that for you, the, the cold temperatures? I mean, um, seven minutes in a dive, I would be shivering no matter what I'm wearing, no matter what temperature it is, but... So is it like seven mils or five mils minimum? Well, in summertime, they're usually using five mils. Oh, but wow. I mean, like I was with a seven mil all the time. Okay. And during the coldest month, I was wearing a five millimeter ice vest on top Oof. and I was still shivering. That's yeah. a lot of neoprene. And then you get, you know, people who are coming for a couple of dives, like once, twice a year. Yeah. And they're making fun of you asking like, why are you wearing a seven millimeter? Like this is super warm. And it's like, man, not when you do it every day. Okay, okay. And then, so after that, back to Thailand. Almost. Okay. I had a little, little shortcut. So actually in, in Gran Canaria, I really enjoyed my time. I was working with, I would really say, one of the nicest dive centers I've ever worked with. It was a young couple making their own dive center because where they were doing the internships for dive masters, they said like, no, no, we don't like this treatment. We don't like how this is organized. Like this should be completely different. Yeah. So they built a dive center from zero and it has been the best organized, the best customer service, the most professional and laid back dive center I've worked for. Okay. And then, yeah, I was working with them for one year and it was the first time in four years that I actually moved out from my suitcases. Okay. Right? So I got this beautiful apartment with an ocean view so I'm working with these amazing people like I'm super happy and just when I got all the last things out of my suitcase I sat down for coffee on my terrace and I was like gotta go <laughs> <laughs> just got that that bug that itch to get back to to the unknown okay to the unknown to be honest to just go somewhere where you don't know how diving are where you don't know how people are how culture is you know you don't know anything about so you have to kind of discover all these things and um universe sent me to maldives oh okay um and you know how every diver's dream is kind of you know to to end in maldives yeah yeah point. i have not been but i you know i've definitely um i i've I'll be honest, I've heard really good things, mostly from the people that just travel there for a short amount of time. The, and I'm sure maybe you'll have something to say, I'm not sure. Um, but the people that lived and worked there, little bit of a different story. Um, you know, and, and anything, I guess, too much of a good thing is not great. So tell me, I guess, so I don't know if I'm going in the right direction, but tell me, tell me about your time in the Maldives. Yeah, you're absolutely in the right direction. I felt completely the same. I lasted 45 days. Okay. Wow. And okay. I consider myself being a tough cookie, okay? <laughs> but I lasted 45 days. Yeah. Cause I was on an artificial island. Okay. So, Basically, everything about my experience there was completely artificial. Wow. And, and as you say, when people are going there for a week of vacation, yeah, so they're living in their beautiful water villas, they're enjoying great food, yeah. all the water activities, right? But when you're working in a resort island like that, it's in, in my book that I'm going to write one day, this chapter is going to be called Not Allowed Man. <laughs> <laughs> Because absolutely nothing, the slightest joy you might find in your life was quite not allowed. Okay. You have the uniforms that you always have to be in. Yeah. As a diving instructor, even if I need to get to the boat, which is like 30 meters from the dive center, I cannot go in a wetsuit. Okay. I have to have either my wet or my dry uniform on. I can change to my wetsuit on the boat and the same coming back. 
Um, all these super strict rules, we would be living in shared accommodation and um, if I want to, let's say, have a coffee, I can do it in a canteen. If I want to take my coffee mug right there by the sea just to enjoy a little bit of privacy, somebody's going to come and say that I'm not allowed. Okay, because wow. the coffee mug cannot be taken out of the area. So it was a lot of rules and, and a lot of these rules, it was like it didn't, didn't make any sense. It's like, and I was thinking that, okay, if I'm going to stay here for a year, which was the planned timing for the contract, yeah. I would never enjoy teaching diving again. Oof. And obviously the money is amazing. Yeah, the money yeah. Money is good. But for me, it just didn't feel worth it. You know? Oh, if you lose that sense of freedom, then what's it all for? That's you know? the thing. And, 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 and this is the moment when I was thinking like, look, here I can't even interact with guests, right? And I could as well be in Thailand and have a beer with them afterwards, which yeah. is part of what makes this community great. Oh, um, it's, it's the whole reason for me starting this podcast because it was... It's my favorite thing to do. You get back from a dive and you just, you bullshit with the other divers about what you saw, what's your next destination, where you've been, just everything about diving. It's, it's, it's the, the biggest part of it, you know, and not even just the dive, like the diving obviously is absolutely amazing, but just the connections you make and the people that you meet. Exactly. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really the full circle of things. And that was the, literally the reason why I loved and wanted to start this podcast was just because I just want to talk to other divers and tell me about your story. Um, here's a little bit about my story, you know? And so I've, I haven't heard that much about, about the Maldives, but definitely I've heard, um, yeah, like I said, for the vacationers, amazing. If you're there for a week, you fly in, hang out, leave, probably amazing memories for a lifetime. Uh, but I have heard working there is definitely a little bit of a different story. So. Another thing I was really surprised about, and I mean, like, this might sound super weird, but it was pretty racist in a sense. Really? Like, you have this segregation, like you have these white privileged people coming okay. and working, right? So my salary was a completely different number than any of the local people. Okay. Right? And then kind of like to put it very easily from what I saw in the compound where I was living. So let's say we're white privileged. So we would be living, we would share two people, one room, right? Okay. Then we get next to Asians. Like we had a lot of um, masseuse from Malaysia and they would be four people sharing a room. And then you get to Bangladeshi crew, okay? And that's tens of them being in one room. Wow. Yeah? And again, for me, it would be the basic salary, it would be the, the percentage of everything that they make. Yeah. Right? So, so quite a lot of money. And then the more you go into more people living in one room, the less money comes in. Oh, wow. So it was very, very hard for me to kind of accept that, yeah. that, that this is normal. You know, I don't think it's normal. No, so. no, for sure. So 45 days. 45, 45 days. 45 days. So that must have been a... a pleasant ticket out of there i'm sure just happy happy to go absolutely okay. and, and and i was even more happy because i was returning to thailand oh. and i was counting the days since i left thailand i was counting the days to go back <laughs> so yes and then i went back to call pp went back to the dive shop that i started working okay before covid hit and had a really really nice amazing year living in freedom in thailand <laughs> That is awesome. Well, tell me, I guess, just to, just to backtrack slightly, the diving. How is the diving in the Maldives? 
Well, I guess I was not very fortunate because I was in the central part of Maldives. Yeah, I was very, very close to Malé. Okay. So diving was not that great as it was definitely not those Instagram videos yeah. Yeah, that you see. Absolutely not. And, and another thing that I will never forget, so one of the dive sites that we had kind of like a house reef, let's say, you would have a nice wall dive and it's relatively healthy. Yeah. And then as you take the corner, as far as you can see, everything is dead. And then you surface and you are in front of these amazing water villas oh. that cost shitloads to stay, you know. And for me, it just, it doesn't go together. Yeah. It's not worth the price. No, and and it's such a hard thing because it's, um, even for me, is like traveling, you, you know, you go to places and, and you want to contribute, but, you know, you don't want to, these these big big areas are going up i know there's a big problem in like the tulum area of mexico because the growth is so fast that the infrastructure can't keep up and then all that waste has to go somewhere and um it's it's kind of a bummer because when when people discover these absolutely beautiful places then just the masses rush there and then it's not so much like that anymore um, and that's definitely kind of a bummer to hear things like that because uh, unfortunately it's, it's what we do, I guess, as humans. And it it's, is what we do. We just destroy. I mean, it is what we do. And, and I mean, like, of course, also as a, as a diver or diving instructor or anybody who has ever had, had this diving experience, you will change your habits and you're going to do things trying to protect the oceans and yeah. the planet Earth as best you can, right? But when we're looking at the big picture, it's a very, very small difference that we're actually making. Oh, it's, it's insane because, you know, when I first got into diving, uh, you know, you hear about the conservation and it's like, oh, we got to keep everything nice, you know, for the future divers. And then, I, you know, I hate to say it, like I, I would get to these, some of these areas and I'm, you know, we're, we're taking a boat there. There's just tons of boats and then you just see the gasoline leaking out of the boats and then... And then I'm, I remember I asked a question one time. I'm like, are we damaging it more by going out to these sites right. and diving? And, and it's such a hard, fine line because it's like, oh, I want, to, I want to help. But by me going to the site, I'm probably hurting it more than I'm helping because we're going there. You know, like there's, there's this boat and you can just see the trail of gasoline behind. And you're like, it's probably not good, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's a... It's a definitely a tough thing as a diver because you want to do the right thing but then you want to enjoy that dive at the same time so it's yeah and to build on this what is interesting i when i just started diving um there was this guy on facebook posting that he's writing his thesis and he had a questionnaire about if divers are actually ruining the underwater environment and as a fresh diver for me it was like what are you talking about like we divers are the one who are actually protecting it conserving (laughs) it and fighting for it you know and then when you start working and and of course don't get me wrong like a lot of us we are really doing it yeah but looking at the industry as a whole and then you see these mass dive centers you know doing factory dsds day after day nobody cares about the buoyancy you see the fins everywhere breaking coral nobody cares and at that moment, I was like, shit, now we understand this questionnaire. Like, we are actually, you know, messing it up also. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it's two sides of the coin. In, yeah, in yeah. Right? Well, um, so off of the bad stuff, let's get back to the good stuff in Thailand. You made it back to Thailand. 
working, um, and that was 2022, so last year. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. and uh, tell me a little bit about that part of the journey, just back to Thailand. I was amazing again. <laughs> nice and easy, wonderful day, six o'clock in the morning, you wake up, you see the sunrise, you go to the dive shop, you go do some awesome dives, because you know, Kobe P is yeah. pretty cool for yeah. diving, right? Um, it was really nice time and was, was it back in full swing kind of yeah okay I mean like let's say at the beginning maybe it was like 20% of what it used to be but okay. by the time I left it was already packed so it is definitely back okay it's absolutely back awesome and um, the island did change a little bit like people got a little bit younger okay uh, coming but the party still never stops <laughs> like all the freaking time <laughs> Um, so yeah, I lasted there quite a long time and then um, the one thing is that, you know, usually in Thailand, I mean, this comes to the fact that uh, sometimes, most of the times, most of us are working illegally, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it comes also with uh, working permits and stay permits and your visas and as your visas are expiring and border runs that you have to do, fly out, fly back in, stay 45 more days, fly out, yeah. fly back in, you know? So I did have a little bit of um, immigration fun, let's okay. put it that way. Yeah. So doing my border run, they didn't want to let me quite back in because okay. I had too many extensions, too many yeah. stamps. So they said that I have to go and get a proper, you know, tourist visa yeah. in the embassy and things like this. And um, this experience for me, it came together with having a dengue fever. Oh. And having a dengue fever while you are in between Malaysia and Thailand, and they're locking you in the airport, and they're not letting you in the country afterwards with the land border. It kind of felt a little bit like, hey, like what is happening? You know, maybe it's time for me to kind of yeah. think about something different. Yeah. And um, that led me to Kolipe. Okay. And I went to Kolipe because it's very, very close to the border. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually where we met, uh, was in Kolipe. Uh, but before, before we go into that, um, I'd, I'd like to talk, I guess, if you're okay, a little bit more about that experience because it is, it is a very, it's very common a lot, just kind of the, the border hopping and this and that. I mean, any, anything else you'd like to kind of say on that note? Because... I mean, we all we all got to admit, and, and depending on what you're doing, you know, when you're fresh out of open water, they're kind of selling you the dream, you know, like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then, you know, there's definitely some challenges during, you know, your journey to instructor and then you become an instructor and you want to go work abroad. Like, um, so I just didn't know if you wanted to, to kind of go into that a little bit more because that's definitely a side that a lot of people know, but also a lot of people don't know, you know, yeah. so. Absolutely. I mean, like, it depends where where you want to go with this and what is your purpose of this? Like, do you want to just, you know, travel the world and work three months here, three months there, and then another country and another country? Then, of course, you're hoping and, and, and most of the times you will be working on tourist visa that in case the immigration catches you it's not all rainbows and unicorns anymore yeah? so it's a lot of fines it can be jail time it can be um, you're getting deported from yeah. the country you are getting banned in the country and obviously talking about jails and, and things like this in third world countries is probably not the best experience you would like to have in your life right and, uh, but again it's not everywhere like that like there are ways to work legally yeah, yeah. in thailand also you can actually get the work permit in order for you to get a work permit in Thailand. So 
the company has to have a certain amount of local people employed in okay. order to give out this work permit. Okay. This work permit is also going to cost. Yeah. yeah. And again, not every place is the same, but usually they do not cover it for you. Okay. And it costs roughly around 2,000 euros. Okay. Yeah? So this is the question. If you want to invest this money to stay one year and work legally, if the dive center you are in is actually able to provide you with one. Yeah. Yeah, so then life is easy game. But again, with so many diving instructors in the world and also what you're saying, fresh instructors, yeah. Yeah, the dive center will always have somebody who is agreeing with the conditions of not being legal, you know, getting salary only based on commissions. Yeah. And, and somebody will always say yes oh. to these conditions. Yeah. The so, they kind of get used to that. Oh, this is easy. I mean, like three months, and the next person is gonna come. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be easy days. And and in Copp, for example, we were working like crazy. Yeah, we were working every day, no days off, like seven o'clock in the morning until ten o'clock at night, and we do it because we freaking love it. Yeah. We don't know any other way, right? And then sometimes when you get the immigration on the island, you finally have three days off <laughs> and you have to stay away and you can actually go and explore the island, go have a beer somewhere in the mountains, you know? Okay. So yeah, okay. That, that, that is the fact. And, and, and it's not just in Thailand, it's, it's everywhere. Also here, like now I'm in, uh, now I'm in Bali, yeah? Yeah. And here it's a little bit more serious. I mean, it's not so relatively easy as yeah. in Thailand that maybe you can pay them off you know and kind of get yeah. around with it here is way more serious and again it's the same thing you have to invest in a work permit which costs around yeah. 1000 euros which allows you to stay for one year and then it's the question do you have the funds to actually because I mean like we're not making the best money out of it yeah <laughs> so do you have the funds and are you willing to commit for a year not fully knowing how working in the exact dive center is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So again, it's uh, it's a lot of things to think about. It's a roll of the dice, I guess, huh? Exactly. Um, yeah, and and that's definitely it's it's good to hear stuff like that and, you know, because like I said we do in a sense when you're when you're going for that instructor card, you're you're get, you're getting sold this dream and and definitely people um, there's people that make it happen you know i mean and and you're doing it you know like you're definitely doing it but there's definitely some some bumps in the road along that path there is but it, it is still i would never change this for anything else in the world i mean like for me there's nothing else i mean this is my life i can't be without it yeah and again if you want to have an easy days right you have a european passport you go work in malta you go work in spain you're completely legal there I, yeah i mean you have way better chances of doing this legally and nicely than if you get to asia yeah yeah no, and, and I wish there was just better diving in the United States because I could right. go work there legally, but we got Florida and Hawaii, but um, definitely not a, a, a lot of good dive sites there. So, um, well, okay, so tell me more about Colipe. So that's actually where we met. Uh, I went there for some fun diving, and you were my guide. And uh, I must say we had probably one of my favorite dives it was super awesome because we, I, was, I can't, I think I was there for about four or five days and uh, 
most of the days, you know, there was a good, I think there was max like four divers total, five divers total. I can't, I can't yeah, exactly yeah, remember. Um, but the one, I think it was the last day I got to dive with you. It was just me and you. Oh, and it was, yes, awesome. That was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Just total, total fun dive. Cause even so, uh, you know, I'm sure some of the listeners out there know I am an instructor. So most of the time I'm, when I'm in the water, it, it, like you're just, you always kind of have that radar on, even yeah. if it's a fun dive, that radar yeah. is just always on. And it was just awesome. We went down, just hung out. It was just a blast. So thank you very much. And, uh, I really, really enjoyed my time in Colipe. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm based in Penang right now. So that's pretty much the closest dive area that I have. There's some diving in Langkawi, but it's eh, not so great. But uh, when I first got to Colipe, I was absolutely just blown away by how beautiful it was. And the diving was amazing. And, and um, so tell me a little bit about your time in Colipe. I have to also start with saying thank you so much for finally <laughs> taking me out for a proper fun dive. Like, no stress in the world. Just looking for those nudies. Yeah, and yeah. It was, it was really amazing. Because, yeah, as you say, we're always having a guard on, yeah. right? Like, and um, you also joined me for a dives where we had some fresh certified... Yes and also um, divers with us and you were helping me out quite a lot and you saw how freaking messy it was and this is maybe the one thing that they don't tell you when you're becoming a dive pro like even if you're going to be just guiding the divers it's not all again rainbows and unicorns right? you uh... get challenging uh, dives also Um, so yeah I arrived in Kolipe basically to kind of have my last chapter in Thailand I'm close to the border and I can figure out where to go from there right then um, I did start to work with a different dive center in, again, as every place in the world, every industry in the world, you have the good guys, you have the bad guys, you have the people you can work with, and you have the people that you cannot work with. And this dive center was the one that, uh, yeah, we were five instructors leaving basically in one week. Ooh. It was just way too much. Like, we were low on staff, so we were overworked, and there was a lot of, lot of organizational issues going on that, for me, it was just not acceptable. Yeah. And, and, and at this point, after being instructor for a little bit over three years, when I see red flags, I leave. Yeah. I don't wait anymore. I leave. I've been through hell, right? And then what I did for the last month in Colipe, I was freelancing for okay. the first time in my life. I'm freelancing where I met you. And it was awesome, right? Because as a freelancer, I actually said like, look, I'm not doing any courses. I'm not taking any first time divers. This is my last month in Thailand. I just want to freaking yeah. fun dive. Yeah. And again, I fun dive with you. Yeah. You stayed four or five days with us. I was there for a month and you were my first like real fun dive. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the, the freelancing for the listeners out there that don't really know what that is. So you're not affiliated, but you're just kind of floating around working um, for this shop, that shop. So obviously it has its benefits. Um, yeah, absolutely. Especially in, in, in Thailand, work is organized a little bit different than, let's say, for example, in Europe. Yeah? In Thailand, you would do your diving shift. And you would also have your shop shift. So basically it means that you're sitting in front of the dive center for let's say four hours and you're interacting with people. You're trying to sell diving. You're trying to sell the courses, explain what's happening. And, yeah. and again, depending on your personality, some people are naturals to this. Yeah. And I actually did enjoy it because I mean like I'm selling diving. It's yeah. freaking awesome. It's an amazing product to sell. Yeah. But 
obviously you have to be there and have you do you have to do this yeah and if you are freelancing usually this is not your case so you go <laughs> you do your dives and you go home okay. you have a power nap in the middle of the day you don't have to do the shop shift and um, also obviously if you're freelancing for different dive centers at the same time it's kind of also your call you know they give you a call oh we have this and that for tomorrow are you in and you can decide, do I want to do this? Yeah. Maybe how you have a better offer, you know? Because also when, when your salary is commission-based, it kind of depends on what you're doing. Like, obviously, you're going to get less money guiding certified divers, yeah. and you're going to get more money actually doing the courses. So then it's up to you to decide okay. what you want to do with it. All right. I actually enjoyed it a lot. I was like, I still couldn't <laughs> believe, like, the whole year there. And in the afternoon, I come back, and, and I don't even have to wash the gear. And then it's like, this is it. <laughs> Like I can go home and have a power nap. What am I supposed to do with my time? <laughs> the uh, the midday power naps are always always an enjoyable thing. I, I uh, think that's probably one of my favorite things about fun dive trips is I'll just go on a dive, come back, take a little bit of a nap, and then you know when the weather cools down a little bit, go out get some dinner, hang out, relax, enjoy a beer, and then start it all over again the next exactly. day. So easy days. Um, so. Colipe and then you left Colipe and now we are in Bali so talk about that a little bit yeah so after Colipe so I was looking where to go obviously Bali is very close easy to fly in and yeah we all know that diving in Bali counts as the good one right <laughs> yeah. like here in Ahmed we have a lot of macro we have a lot of cool stuff there's some some serious shipwrecks around also and um, yeah so I was looking for a position I got a position I came and um, <laughs> so then what happened <laughs> again this is unemphasizing like I believe that there are different approaches on running a dive center different approaches on teaching diving and, and, and there is no I cannot say that there is a right or wrong one right? but there is the one that fits you and there is yeah. the one that doesn't fit you for me as an instructor what is really important is first of all that I work very individually. I cannot have the same approach for every person because yeah. oh. every person is completely different yes. and it's two absolutely different cases. If you have um, somebody who doesn't know how to swim and wants to try diving for the first time or somebody who has made a decision to go for the open water certification. Yeah. Yeah? So in a dive center where I landed first in Bali, it was a very easy approach. Same, same for everybody. Um, the owners kind of have their way of working, which is fine. It's their dive center. I mean, like they can do whatever yeah, the hell they want, yeah. right? It just didn't fit me because I was asked to kind of lose my personality okay. and go with this copy-paste briefings that I believe you can as well yeah. put a video on. Yeah. <laughs> and also one of the reasons why I love this job so much is because I can be myself. Yeah. And and when I'm working as myself, I I do the best job ever because I mean like I'm passionate yeah. about it. You know, I have to I don't have to think of what I'm doing. I just do what I do. Yeah. And so yeah, in this dive center it kind of didn't feel that this is the place where I can be myself. Okay. So, not the first time, so I decided to leave and uh, <laughs> take a loop of faith and see where it brings me. So, yeah, now it brings me to a resort life in Bali. We'll okay. see how that's going to go. Awesome, awesome. So, the the Bali experience so far is a little bit of a rocky road, but, you know, that's nothing new. And then it seems to be working out pretty well for you right now. Yeah, that's the thing. Look, things are 
always working out for me. Yeah. And, and since I started diving, it really is like this. And I, I fully trust life that is going to bring me places. And if something doesn't work out, it doesn't have to work out. Like it's perfectly fine. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to get to the place. No, that's awesome. And this is again, yeah, it comes together with this little bit, um, the vulnerable position that you are. So when you are changing the country, so you come to a new place, you don't know anything about the culture, you don't know how to get yourself around, you don't know how to find a place to live, you don't know how diving is going to be, how your team is going to be, but you're arriving and it also comes together with all the legal perspectives and the visas. So when you arrive to a new destination, you are a little bit vulnerable because you have just invested oh, yeah. your money, your time, you know, you're in this new location. So I believe a lot of times people are just going through whatever experience they're having because it's not so easy to just say like, okay, fuck it, I cannot yeah. do this, I'm gonna change something, right? For me, at this point, it's pretty easy because I'm not so fresh anymore and I know that there's so many really great dive centers to work with. It just depends on a little bit what you are looking for. Yeah, like, yeah. For me, it has to be a, a passionate way how to work. I don't want to be a factory instructor. I don't want to make, you know, 10 curse, courses a week. Like, it's, it's not for me. I want people to love diving. I want them to continue diving. I don't want it to be like, pum, 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 next Yeah, week. no, no, and... and I agree. And, and actually, uh, I, I love that because that's definitely you're looking at it, the glass half full rather than half empty, because um, there's there's always going to be bumps in the road. And it's just kind of how you take it, how you handle it. And uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, you're it's working out here for you. And I'm really glad that we got to meet up and, and record this. So um, so where do you think thailand will be back in the future or what do you because there's definitely a, a love there i can sense for thailand so do you think you'll end up back there or are you just going to kind of you know see where the road takes you or the boat i should say where the boat takes you <laughs> well thailand for sure is going to be back even i mean like I don't want to go back to the places where I have been already. I understand. Because I mean like 71% of the world is ocean, right? So I mean like there's plenty <laughs> of places to go and discover. But even if I'm not going to work in Thailand, it's definitely going to be a holiday destination yeah. for me for sure. <laughs> Next things we'll see. I'm, I'm planning to really try to stay a year here. Okay. Uh, make some money because in, in a resort, this is where you can actually make some money yeah. when, you're, when you're working and diving. And then we'll see. I'm actually looking into those uh, big boats. Okay. You know, maybe it would be time to go into the big boats. Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely... Um, so I've, I've... Oddly enough, I've spent some time in Indonesia. Not a whole lot, but most of the time um, was in other parts of Indonesia. Not necessarily Bali. Like, I've spent some time in uh, North Sulawesi, Bunakin. Beautiful, beautiful area. Raja Ampat. Beautiful, beautiful area. And um, that that would be a, a good goal. I hope to I hope that you make it there because that there is just some absolute beautiful diving, and you're in the middle of nowhere, and there's just not loads of divers, you know. And that was something I absolutely enjoyed when I was in Raja Ampat. Was we would get to a dive site, and there might not be anybody else there it's just because it's so for remote. You. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, you see the 
cool stuff. Like, yeah. You really see the cool stuff, right? No, for sure. And that's definitely my best dive has been in Raja Ampat, like 15 manta rays. To this day, I haven't had anything. I'm, w- I'm waiting for that whale shark, which... <laughs> one um, day. Yeah, one yeah. Day. I know, actually, what was like a week before I got to Kolipe, there was one there. Yep. Uh, when I was in Ahmed last month, there was... Uh, we were at the Liberty Shipwreck, and there's another dive... Like you and drop off, no? Is it drop yeah, off? Yeah. Okay, they so whale shark and drop yeah, off. and it was like that same day, that same dive. Like they popped up, like oh, we just saw a whale shark, and I'm like, where were we? You know, where was he? <laughs> As I love to joke, call him back on the shell phone and tell him to come by. Um, but okay, well, um, so like any any, what advice would you have for a, a new up and coming instructor? Um, what would you like to to kind of warn them about tell them about you know like any any advice for those newbies that are going into their idcs completing their ies um i know that's one agency i don't know what they're all called they're all pretty similar just same same yeah yeah yeah. i would say guys if you love it freaking go for it okay it's it's an it's a roller coaster it's an amazing lifestyle but the thing is it has to be your lifestyle if you're going for it because you think you're going to make money and you're going to travel the world, <laughs> it's not quite going to be the case. I yeah. mean, like, it's not that we don't get any money, right? But we're not going to be rich. Yeah. And if it's your passion, you're going to be absolutely happy with it. But yeah. if you roll into it for the money, after two years, you're going to be one of those instructors that when I go first time diving and freak out, you say, okay, that's it. No yeah. diving for you. And that is the worst thing that can happen. Oh, like that would be the worst nightmare for me. When I would feel that I don't have patience for people, that's it. Yeah. I'm leaving diving. But apart from that, it's amazing life. You meet people from all over the place. You make friends from all over the place. So wherever you're traveling next, you're definitely going to have a couch to sleep on. <laughs> um, or a person who brings you from one airport in Rome to another one in the middle of the night. I mean, it's amazing the connections that you are making. And also the fact that the diving community, we are so welcoming. We are yes. so friendly. We don't judge people. We all do the same thing. And and. In some places, maybe we do compete with each other a little bit, but not so much. I yeah. mean, like at the same time, we all have the same goal and the same love for diving. Yeah. So no. it's a great community to be in. Okay. Okay. Um, well, any any final thoughts from you? Anything else that you'd like to you know say or what what's what's on your mind currently? The one thing I would encourage actually all divers to do, the professional and unprofessional, the beginners, is Tell the good things to your instructors. Tell the good things to the dive centers. Tell them to Google. Tell them to TripAdvisor. And the same with the bad things. Okay? okay. Don't go crazy with like, you know, slamming the doors and stuff. But if you have a bad experience diving or if you're trying diving and you're not enjoying it, it's not your fault. It's yeah. your instructor's fault. 99% of the cases. I, I agree with that. So yeah. speak up about it. And once you're certified, speak up if you see dive centers who are not doing things the right way. If there's any going away from safety standards or the equipment is misfunctioning like speak up about it because you're part of the community and it's also kind of your role to make yeah. this industry a better place yeah and guys check your buoyancy please ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, words of wisdom right there words of wisdom um no i i completely 
Agree. And that's one thing I definitely always tell people is if you're feeling uncomfortable, no one, you, you, we can't read minds. So, you know, if you're not feeling the dive, call it, there's nothing wrong with it. And, um, and I actually had a little bit of an experience with that when I took a course this past month when I was in Ahmed and there was just another diver in there. And I, I, for like two days, I was just trying to beat around the bush, like, Hey, um, you know, maybe we shouldn't go on this next dive. Cause I, I basically didn't want to be like, Hey, you shouldn't go on this dive yeah, cause yeah, you need yeah. to, you have skills you need to work on. So it's, 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 it became like, it's, it's me, not you, it's me, you know? And, and he just was not getting hints. And finally, um, after one dive, I was just like, this is what's happening. Like, I can't go diving with you anymore. I love you. You're an awesome <laughs> dude, but I just, I can't, I can't do it. And um, so if, if you're listening out there, I still love you. I still want to be <laughs> friends, but I, we, you know, I, and I hope to dive with you someday again. Um, but just at that time, I was like, okay. And, and so I even, you know, had to learn how to speak up where I was just kind of beating around the bush when I'm like, hey, I just need to be direct. And um, after the, the fact, I told the instructor, I was like, I, I got so much value in that because I have to, because I can't beat around the bush sometimes. Sometimes I'm not as direct as I should be. Yeah. And it worked out well because I, I felt better about it afterwards. Obviously, um, there's a safety standpoint. And, yeah, so if you, if you see something, speak up, you know. And, and this is also people who, yeah, if you're diving in conditions you've never been diving before, let's say currents, tell this to your instructor. Yeah. Me as an instructor, if somebody tells me, I've never done this before, I feel concerned, or maybe I'm on this medication, is that okay? Yeah. I appreciate it so much. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to know, you know, it's nice to have this heads up. And, and also it's about evaluating your own ability a little bit, you know, more realistically, because this is also the one thing that I see in some places, especially when it comes to factory divers, you certify people and they feel like, I'm an open water diver, I know everything. I did four dives in Kotao, each of them were 20 minutes, like I'm the best. Look, and this is something that is happening in this industry that in some places they don't teach you diving, they sell you certification and they sell you confidence, yeah. which has zero grounds to it. And this is when diving becomes dangerous. 100%. Yeah? It's not awareness that guys, this is a super safe activity, but it's not playing beach volleyball, okay? Oh. You have to follow the rules. You don't follow the rules, we're talking about being under the water. Yeah, uh, oh, we're in a foreign environment and it, yeah, things can go bad. And, and, and it's, it's such a, it's hard because I like tell people, I'm like, oh, diving, it's, it's really safe. It's, it's a fun sport, but just treat it right. Because exactly. if you, the minute you don't, it can be not forgiving. And that's, um, cause I never want to scare anybody away from the sport cause I love it so much. And I just want the whole world to be underwater right? enjoying the fishes and Nemo and the turtles crush, whatever, whatever Nemo's friend is. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I, I want people to experience it, but at the same time, just be safe because it, it can be unforgiving if, if you don't speak up, if you, um, are just slightly uncomfortable and you're just moving forward and, and, and I, I know all about like, oh, you have to kind of get out of your comfort zone, but to a point, you know, to a so point. yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. Awesome. I had a wonderful time and um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me and all those new instructors. We can do it. Like, <laughs> let's make this industry great again, guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. 
a scuba podcast.